UX Podcast Episode 66. This is UX Podcast, balancing business, technology, and users every other Friday from Stockholm, Sweden. I'm Pat Axbom. And I'm James Roy Lawson. Today is a link show. Ah, yes. Which means, for those of you that don't know, we take three articles that we found during our digital travels and we discuss them a little bit here. And um, those three articles that we're going to talk about today are... Um, user experience has stunted information architecture. That's by uh, Peter Merholtz. Mm-hmm. I uh, actually found it uh, through a Twitter conversation that was taking place between Jared Spool and, and Peter uh, where they were arguing about jam. Yeah. <laughs> and peanut butter. And yeah. the second one is user experience is dot, dot, dot. A wonderful piece by Whitney Hess. Yeah. And the third and final piece today, or article, um, is how to make sure users don't accidentally delete. Extremely practical advice. Yeah. Um, who's on by? Anthony. It's Anthony, but I actually don't know his surname. To be honest, I forgot to actually check. Um, no, he's just called Anthony. So we'll come back to that if we can find out while we're talking, but I don't think we can on UX movement. Um, <laughs> so. Let's dive into the first article. Mm-hmm. Today's episode is sponsored by Revrise. Revrise is Google Analytics, but for web forms, and tells you where the users are having difficulties or dropouts. Go to revrise.com to find out more. Okay, so, so the title is User Experience Has Stunted Information Architecture. And stunted... Uh, it's not a word you hear a lot. So Isn't it? Stunted, basically. Stunted growth. It means you've just something's not grown as fast yeah, as it would be si- expected to. I'm on the side of the, the Swedes here. Oh, and you should take that. Yeah. We've got a fair few Swedes that listen. So, and there's a fair few non-English-speaking people that listen, so okay. So, stunt actually means to prevent from growing or developing properly. Maybe you were thinking that kind of like, I don't know, they had helmets on and there was big ramps <laughs> exactly. and they lined up a lot of double-decker buses <laughs> and years of experience, they stunted information architecture by managing to jump 30 buses instead of 20. Say, <laughs> so there you go, information architecture, yes. you should get a better bike. Hmm. Something like that. <laughs> you no. never know. So it, it's, it's the title saying that, um, yeah, years of experience has, has caused information architecture to to not develop and as grow mm. and grow as 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 it would have done if they mm. hadn't have stuck their meddling hands in the way right and and peter in the article actually comes to the conclusion that uh, perhaps we should uh, make information architecture into its own uh, well again i would say silo it's something that's separate from ux uh, well r- really actually to to strengthen it make it something that people to pay more attention to and not have it under the UX umbrella. That's sort of the, the gist of the article. Yeah. And this, how, how did this come about? You, you said you, um, you spotted this um, uh, with a uh, Twitter conversation. Yeah, well, Jared said that he wanted to nip this in the bud uh, on Twitter and said that, well, he doesn't agree with Peter. Uh, well, he does agree with everything, but 
except for two points, and that's everything that the article says. He doesn't agree that IA is somehow stunted, and he does not agree that UX is respo- responsible. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, and some of that turned into just a funny conversation when they're trying to use metaphors with peanut butter and jam. I I didn't really get all of that. Oh, that was that was actually really really good fun with the whole mm. jam and peanut butter thing. And, but it's um, quite funny that I mean Peter and Jared are quite big voices in the community. Yeah. I remember John Colker writing an article way, way back like three years ago. It was always. Peter and, and Jared were just on top of it and mm. tearing it apart. You know, well, I mean, this, the, the, article, the article, I mean, the article's fair enough. I mean, it's, it's talking about how, I mean, inter- information architecture was bigger um, or rather easier to sell up to around 2005, 2006. Um, and I used to get called in to do information architecture jobs um, and, you know, quite regularly up to that time. It was one of those things that, you know, Customers wanted. Customers knew what it meant. Right, felt it was they a had specialist a role. Yeah, and they felt they had a need for it, so mm. they'd come to an agency and they'd say, "Yeah, I need you to do my information architecture." Mm. And then you know, you'd wheel the troops out, troops out, and we'd get on with it. Um, then something changed. Um, we they, that, they stopped asking really for that. People don't use that term anymore. No, they don't really now. I not doubt, not I in anywhere near the, um, the the scale that they used to. Uh, no. And now we're and now we're speaking very much from a Swedish perspective. We are, but mm. but given our our um, watching of the the media and the blogging and everything mm, and, and the wider um, world of of UX and digital, mm. then I I think it's still the same there. It's not as focus bigger focus for it as, as it once was. Mm. Um, and that I'm I'm thinking that I mean, young people who are just coming out of school and getting into web development, mm. they've probably never even heard of the phrase. Like it's not they, part of the cur- curriculum to actually understand what that they is. They don't feel they need to worry about it. Um, Although UX is something fluffy that they have heard about. Yeah. So I mean, I so I I, I agree with. The, I mean, the storytelling in this article mm-hmm. by Peter is is right. It's true. Um, this is how it was. You know, the focus does ebb and flow and shift. Um, but um, I, <laughs> I I this is where I agree with Jared. And that you know, can we can we stop with the infighting? I mean, this is a this is a petty, silly argument, mm. and and a waste of time. I mean, yeah, what the point with the article? I don't really get. Actually, no. it's like you know, kicking the shins mm. of the first person you up mm. in the war past, and you know, this mm. this is an IA person deciding to kick the shins of UX. I mm. mean, for me, well, he's trying to raise IA. Yeah, actually, yeah, yeah, he's, he's trying to defend it and mm. raise it. Mm. But we we spent. We've talked about kind of what is UX a few times. The, the, the biggest and best time probably is episode thirty-six when uh, White Rabbits, where we we spent oh, a whole yeah, program. The White Rabbits one, yeah. Ah. Um, and tomorrow, tomorrow you got to remember to say it. Um, it's um, it's actually the thirty-first of January today. Um, mm. Just so you know why I said yeah, yes, I say White Rabbits tomorrow. We're recording a week ahead, yeah. yeah. Um, but you um, um, in that in episode thirty-six, we we talk about UX and and. There's lots of things we said. It's really worth listening to that show. Um, but I get annoyed by this because UX isn't really a job. UX is not. I mean, information. You can be an information architect. Mm. It's a it's a specialist role. It's a job, right? Right, and you can't be a UX. No. <laughs> and what's a UXer? A UXer is 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 basically someone who does one of a whole multitude, a whole range of different mm. um, roles. Specialist mm. roles mm. that happens to fall under this vague, fluffy um, you know, umbrella descriptor that's called user experience. Mm. Um, so you know it's a concept versus a job, and for me in that case, 
IA wins every time when you put it up against UX because of course, one's a real yeah. job, one's just a, a, a fluffy phrase. Mm. Um, yeah, okay, different argument mm. if you want to put um, IA up against mm. um, IXD. So you've got interaction design versus information architecture. Yeah, or graphic design. Yeah. yeah. Versus UX. You see, now now yeah. we can have a, a one of those kind of would a tiger or a snake win? It, it mm. can be that one of one of those kind of conceptual arguments. But I, I just you know I just think it's a whole waste of time. Like mm. we're even. And are you allowed to call yourself a UX developer? Stuff like that. Oh, UX developer. Yeah, that's come up a few times now. But in the end, then I I think that's something I really like about UX that it actually it's about what you're trying to accomplish and not the, the labels that you're putting inside that phrase. So. It's the UX is trying to break down silos and take a, a bigger picture, a bigger perspective, of, have a big, bigger perspective on things. While this article is saying that, no, let's make UX smaller and push IA out of there. Mm. You know, you, which you, is you, really interesting. You're right. There's this kind of feeling that we, we understand what UX is and we, we have this therapy group thing and we, we all believe. Um, but at the same time, most, when we actually do our work, we're doing things like mm. user research. We're doing wireframing. Mm. Uh, we're doing information architecture. We're doing mm. usability testing. We're doing. Oh no, there's, there's, there's always, you know, a more concrete job that we're actually doing. Yep. And we're just we're just marking ourselves or bracking mm. it into user experience. Um, exactly. Now, currently, I'm working as the UX lead in a project, and as a UX lead. I'm not the UX lead role is not doing stuff, but the stuff that I'm doing with the team members is mm. what we're doing. But that can be development stuff. What yeah. JavaScript library to choose, yeah. and the j- design stuff. Okay, the mm. this button uh, or the icons that we're actually putting into a font. Why are we, why are we putting it into a, into a font? Is it mm. because it's faster loading, works on Retina screens, mm. and stuff like that? And then I'm off doing research and interviews with another girl, and we're trying to bring that into personas. And so that's the stuff we're doing. Mm. Uh, UX was just a way for myself to sell myself to the project. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm 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 a UX yeah. uh, I'm, I'm a UX designer in my current project. Mm. And those of you who are the long time listeners to the show will know that I've I've over the years generally kind of stepped back from using the phrase UX in my profiling because mm. I I don't think customers know what it means half the time. Agencies know what it means, and big mm. companies know what it means, but a lot of small ones have no idea at all what you're talking oh, no. about. Um, but you know, I'd use it more and more these mm. days um, because it has grown in in use. I don't think it's grown in understanding of what it actually means. <laughs> oh no, we're but, still arguing about that. Yeah, Ob- obviously, yeah. that's what well, that's why we're here talking about this article. <laughs> and also, the yeah. the um, you know, many times like what you're talking about now, my role in this project, um, I'm effectively mm. um, a cross between project manager and and um, and mentor and coach. Mm. But I, you know, I'm I'm doing some concept design work. I'm doing some wireframing work. But I'm sitting down with programmers to, um, to you know, give them, you know, well, to, to coach them a bit and give some advice about, you know, teach them a bit about what's important and what to think about. Um, I, I'm having great UX discussions with yeah. the developers. They question they stuff. question everything I say, and I have mm. to motivate it. And sometimes they have better suggestions than I do. Yeah. So my my job isn't to have the right answer. Mm. It's to to make sure these conversations happen. Yeah. And a lot of the time, the job boils back down to reminding people of the original problem. Yeah, why we're doing it. Why, why, why are we doing this for the user? What's the user after? Ooh, I actually have a great example because one of the developers is he's really hardcore and he's really, really good. I mean, he goes home to program. That's what he does after yeah. work. Uh, so that's all he's on his mind. And I love his work and what he's doing. And we're building an editor, an inline editor, where you just click, sort of like medium.com if you've ever used that. Yeah. You just click and edit on page. 
and uh, he built this editor for for this project. And uh, we sat down last Friday with one of the users, mm. and she was supposed to enter content into different sections and stuff. And, mm. and the, on our retrospective just uh, a few days ago, he he mentioned how incredibly valuable that had it had been for him yeah. to see yeah. the stuff that he thought no user would ever do. Mm. She did it in two minutes. Yeah. <laughs> And it, it made him want to go back. Oh, I want to fix this. I want to make sure. And next time he wants to watch her again do it. Mm. Uh, and just that, it was a wow feeling for me having him talk about it like that and, and mentioning that. that was, it's, it's never been that valuable for him looking at a user yeah. that early on because yeah. it's very early on in the interface and then in the production phase. Mm. Uh, so just having that people give, given those insights means that I've, Bring, bringing value to the project, but also yeah. to each individual in the project. Exactly. I mean, I, I, I had two. We would. Um, I did some user observations this morning. Yeah. Um, and we had two of the programmers with us for that. Uh, one of them it was the first time we'd mm. ever seen anyone use the stuff he programmed. Mm. Um, <laughs> which is, I mean, it's just excellent. It's you fantastic. Know, you don't need two-way glass. You can just sit mm. there and just smile anyway when you see them mm. you know, watching people really use the product in mm. real situations. But I, no, so, oh. But getting back to sort of uh, information architecture, yeah. uh, we've also made use of, for, for some things, a terminologist. Now, term, terminologist is a very specialist role mm. within the information specialist genre or branch yeah. or whatever. Now, that's a job. That's a job, exactly. Mm. But is it within UX? Of course it is. As long as you see UX as something that defines what goals you're trying to achieve. Yeah. Yeah. So trying to kick something mm. out of the UX uh, mixture, it sort of, now it's starting to offend me the more I think about it. Uh, well, I, uh, yeah, <laughs> well, the, the whole thing is, well, if mm. we, okay, we, can we answer this? Mm. I mean, has, has information architecture suffered mm. um, because of, well, the growth of user experience mm. or the, the, the growth or how we've used the phrase user experience more? I suppose we've answered our own question there in that, you know, we don't get, we don't get asked to do IA gigs anymore mm. so yeah i guess information architecture as a as a specialist role has taken a step out of the limelight but if if we're still a, if we're still just as aware of the importance of getting ia right um in in, in web, you know, websites but now we're just you know, mm. navigation or whatever you would exactly. call these several different um things that mm. ia spans in mm. our Digital digital worlds. Um, I mean, I don't think we're any we, we we've got any less importance attached to that work. No, uh, to actually make this have this conclusion, you'd say that websites have gotten a lot worse because IA has been stunted and people are not paying attention to it. Mm. On the contrary, people are probably paying attention to it. We mm. still think it is valuable. Mm. We may be calling it mm. lots of other stuff, mm. but that doesn't mean the end product is suffering. No. I mean, we've got, we know there's like, you know, there's a couple of dozen different aspects and roles at least you need to think of and deal with when you're producing or creating a mm. web service or a web product. And we've become more and more aware about how relevant these all are under, you know, during the last decade. Yeah. Um, you know, we're growing as an industry. Um, and what that boils down to is in a lot of projects, you've, you've still got the same size pie, you know, budget-wise. Yep. But now you're having to spread this out a bit more, and yeah, there might be now that thankfully maybe we're we're putting a little bit bigger chunk on on user testing or research, mm. and that possibly does mean there's a little bit less of a chunk for information information architecture. Mm. But are we producing better 
digital experiences, yeah, they're getting better. Amen. Mm. <laughs> You want to move on to the next article? Yeah, I do. Uh, Before we get really cross. <laughs> no, well, so, because this is sort of the Whitney Hess's article is yeah. the answer to this one. Now, she, uh, this is User Experience Is um, by Whitney Hess. We met, didn't we? The, um, the other year. Yeah, what, whatever year that was. 2012. Oh, my God. Yeah. Mm. Sometimes and I can remember some things. I don't know why. And she, I mean, I love her writing. I love her blog. I know, I love what she, everything that she says on her website, I <laughs> like to make a hard copy of it and just put it up as my own. Uh, yeah, we, we've yeah we've refer- referenced it before and um, her 10, what is it, 10 um, um, common misconceptions about user experience design, I think we've yeah. brought up um, and linked to. Before. Which still holds strong, actually. Oh, you can, uh, yeah, on the slideshare, that's an mm. excellent presentation. Um well, no, but she, uh, this was this was an article she published. I think it was about two days after the um, IA storm um, mm. broke out. Um, but it wasn't in response to that, I don't think. N- no, 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 no. I, it, I would have to ask her, but yeah. I, I think it was just a coincidence that mm. she published this at the same time. Cause she was asked um, by um, the organizers, um, oh, by the guys at Giant UX, yeah. um, organizers of Giant Conference um, in Charleston. Um, they asked her to describe um, UX in 200 words or less. And um, when she did that, mm. and she published it. And shall I read it? Read it. Go for it. All right. All right, let's, see if, let's put my best reading voice on, if I do this without stumbling. Um, user experience is a commitment to developing products and services with purpose, compassion, and integrity. It is a never-ending process of seeing the world from the customer's perspective and working to improve the quality of their lives. It is a never-ending process of maintaining the health of the business and finding new ways to help it grow sustainably. Sustainably. Oh, it was right. Mm. Um, it is the perfect balance between making money and making meaning. The user experience practitioner is neither sage nor saint. It is not their role to have all the answers to life's questions or to advocate um, for altruism in a capitalist society. There are simply They are simply the facilitators of a more collaborative, transparent way of operating in a business today, breaking down the walls between silos and bringing the customer into the boardroom. User experience is a responsibility of every member of the organization. It is a central philosophy, shared principles. It is not a series of activities and deliverables to perform, but an enlightened way of being. UX is mindfulness. Nice. There you go. I stumbled a couple of times, but I think we That's made okay. It. I, think, yeah. I think people got it. Yeah. <laughs> So that's 200 words or less UX. Uh, it fits fantastically well with my my views as well. Yeah, and what we've been talking about, what we've mentioned in previous shows, um, yeah, earlier today, you know, UX is mindfulness. UX is a is a is a way of thinking and a concept. Breaking down silos. Yeah. Tagline for the show. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a specific job, or, or rather, she. Yeah. I think um, Whitney says, um, uh, "Where was that bit?" Um, I forgot, I've lost it. It's only 200 words. How can I lose something in a 200 word? I can see the whole thing on my screen. I still can't see the um, the bit. There we go. It's right at the end, isn't it? Um, it's not a series of activities or deliverables to perform. Right. Um, and it, exactly. Mm. I mean, this is the thing. User experience itself is not a checklist. Mm. There are, like we said earlier in the show, there's a multitude, there's a whole load of different specialities and things that you could do that can be unclassed as, as being part of the user experience. Mm. 
but it all boils down to user experience. Exactly. And it's something that never stops. You yeah. can't have a model for user experience, no. do this, do that, no. and then you're done. No. You can't buy it either. No. You can't say, um, I'd like I'd like more user experience, please. <laughs> I mean, <you're, laughs> well, people buy that from me. Uh, pa, you you, you thief. <laughs> give, we, we want uh, two more hours of user experience. Okay, I say. I mean, you haven't, you, oh no, you, you, you don't, you don't, you don't <laughs> no, do you have a bag of user experience I, I and you dish out. <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> no, I mean, no. It's, it's, although I have been delivered actually, uh, because I, was, I had to send an invoice where I delivered 20 items of Pat Axbom uh, to a loading dock because that was the only way that uh, I could uh, invoice Ericsson. That was, that's quite funny. <laughs> Many years ago, <laughs> Many Pat Axbom dolls. Yeah. Oh. No, but it is, I mean, you, you, oh, you, um, you don't order user experience. You order something else. And you know, at the end of the day, we've got goals. We've got we've got things that users need to achieve. Um, you've got things that the business needs to achieve. And there, there is what we're trying to to, to, mm. to to work with and to improve. There are actually, I think, two things that people might react to in this description. Mm. One is uh, maintaining the health of the business. Yes, I'm not sure a lot of UX practitioners actually see themselves as responsible for that. Uh, although I, I think you're right there. Although I, I believe it's really important. You mean the the whole um, holier than than thou thing that the UX, user experience is the one to rule them all. Exactly, and that the technology has to fit in with the with yeah. the user experience because it's the users that must decide what what yeah yeah and the company making money. No, that's actually secondary as well. Mm. The user experience is the king, but she's not. Because what what I like about problem solving is finding is seeing how much how many resources do we have actually to accomplish this and what can we do mm. within the user experience realm based on uh, the business goals and the technology we're using. Yeah, we're making pragmatic decisions all the time. Yeah. We don't have unlimited money and time and resources. So, so you know, the user experience is always going to be compromised. Mm. Is it is fair for me to say that? that would, I would, think so, yeah. Because we've always got a limited budget. Mm. So we can, never, we can never do kind of, um, you know, ethnographic studies for four and years. You're always going um, to have products and services that fail, so... A lot of the user experience is about realizing that you can't do it all and having the right attitude. Mm. And, and, and if you to take it into a micro-interaction, when something goes wrong, have a friendly error message mm. and not a bad one. Yeah. Uh, the other point that people might not agree with is uh, the user experience practitioner is neither sage nor saint. Because there again, it's almost the same theme as last one. I think a lot of people see themselves as the good, the good people, yeah. Yeah, defending the user, yeah. and the people with the money are the bad people. Yeah. <laughs> and I love how she's saying that. Well, it's it's not the UX practitioner's Versus. role to actually decide what's good or bad. No. They have to just to focus on the user and uh, make make that match, yeah. that golden match. Uh, and also, like she's hinting at here, it's it's not it's not the UX person's role to basically. You know, bring down capitalist society, exactly. <laughs> or, or whatever. Yeah, you know, <laughs> feels like at times mm-hmm. when like, the user really needs to do the ruses. Mm-hmm. The profits are not relevant. It's the user. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we we've got a role to fill, and it's mm-hmm. it's um, it's getting the best. It's giving the best to the. Or it's helping solve the users. It's helping deliver for the user using the resources that we have at our disposal. Yeah. So I'm actually going to frame this and put it up uh, on the wall in my new studio. <laughs> oh. That's nice. Yes. Yeah. You can get one of those, like, you know, that wallpaper. You, you can get photos printed on wallpaper now. Oh, and have this across the whole wall. Yeah. That would be awesome. Yeah, do that. 
Like, you know, kids' bedrooms now, they quite often get like you know, yeah. giant pictures and things printed onto wallpaper and you put up. I think, yeah, go oh, for yeah. it. Nice. Yeah. See, Whitney, you could capitalize on this. Yeah. Start selling wallpaper. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic. No, that is, um, so, so uh, it was a nice that we got Whitney um, produced such a kind of level headed, calm, mm. you know, common sense answer to the schoolyard bickering. Um, yes. Uh, contrasting to the schoolyard bickering we've got going on over there with the UXIA. I love it. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Let's move on. Let's move on. So, third up is Anthony's article. I can't find it. I can't find who he is. Have you? We'll put it in the show we'll notes. We'll find it later. Yeah. How to make sure users don't delete, don't accidentally delete. Now, this is. Um, I mean, it's not. The, I mean, it's not the biggest of articles. This one. In fact, two of the ones this week are actually really, really short. This can't be even. I know. Two hundred words. But this one is extremely practical, and it's one of those. Yeah. And it's so funny that when you mentioned this article to me, mm. that we. I think the first time I saw this was uh, in Mailchimp. Yeah. Uh, this interaction that's being described in this article. And I thought of using it the other day in our project. You're well, right, Milchip. Yeah, wait, well, let's just describe, say a little bit more. Yeah, article. people don't know what we're talking no, about they yet. They never so, do. okay. <laughs> okay, so, well, the title said it's something. You, you, don't, you want to make sure that people don't accidentally delete something, which is sort of a pain. Mm. Uh, so, you have a delete button. What are you going to do? And a lot of the times you have this confirmation window are that says sure? yes or no. Mm. Uh, Gmail solves it, of course, by making it possible to actually go back. Uh, in this case, if you actually need to delete something and you want to make sure that people actually want to delete it, have them put some more effort into that. Not just answer yes or no, which could go wrong. Have them actually type out, type out the word delete in a box, in a text input box, and then click OK. Which is perfect. I mean, if it's important information, you want to make sure people don't delete it, Make it harder for them to do it. I think it's. I think it's bullshit. You think? Uh, awesome. I thought you would be coming to this. Actually, <laughs> I I yeah. I don't buy it. I mean, I just think it's. I just think it's. Um, it's just irritating. Have to, I mean, like Mailchimp. I mean, I'm, I know that from there as yeah. well. That like you have to type in, um, delete or whatever. I mm. You have to type in a word in capital letters. Um, you know, while standing on one leg and. Tapping your head and rubbing no, your tummy. No, you just have to I mean, type now, in the word. You the just have is, to type no, in the word. This is a, and you know exactly what you're doing because you're typing it. But this is a this is a this is a solution looking for a problem as such. I mean, you, you mentioned the undo. I know I did. What? The, why are we messing around with this complex prattling around, making mm. people type in w- the equivalent of a of an eight letter password with uppercase and lowercase letters and numbers in it when you could actually you just implement undo? You have to see it as a design what? pattern, and, and undo is really complicated to implement. Why? Because now, now this is interesting because now we're actually. Why? Why is it complicated to implement? Because yeah, because people are not uh, familiar with it. Uh, most people aren't, and ha- pushing delete and realizing that somewhere you're supposed to find a button that says, "Oh, I can undo what I just did." Uh, that's harder than people for actually to make sure that they're confident enough that when they're deleting something, they're del- deleting it. And and you know, I think it's contextual depending on. Uh, how valuable this information is, and in my case, uh, where you're, where you would be deleting a whole sort of like a story. It's it's uh, actually a, a treatment of sorts with chapters and, uh, well, 
20 chapters with five uh, steps in each and stuff like that. You delete that whole thing. And you'd have to make sure that there's, if there's an internet, you lose internet connectivity uh, and you want to bring it back and stuff like that. I think I think we're 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 forgetting the problem here, right? What you're trying yeah. what in this mm-hmm. right? What you're trying to do? You're trying mm. you're trying to just you you you're trying to move something out of view. You're effectively mm. you don't want something to be, for example, in a list anymore. Deleting it mm. is actually a lot of the time mm. it's not really relevant. I mean, if I'm, I'm not actually I'm not actually physically interested in it being physically shredded and and put through a blender or whatever. I'm actually just don't want to see it anymore. So mm-hmm. so why so why do we even have to delete in the back you know, as in yeah. you know implement undo make it easy to make something mm. move out of the way make it make it possible for users to retrieve stuff on, yeah. at that moment when they've realised oh no mm. I didn't mean to do that mm. oh great and I think I think mm. Gmail is a good example mm. of that uh, and there's the possibility of course of having an archive or a trash can where it's it's kept until yeah. you actually delete yeah. the trash can oh, always kept mm. Dropbox mm. can you delete version history from Dropbox. I have no idea. You can't. Uh, I haven't, as far as I know, I don't think you can no. delete your files from Dropbox. Mm. If you've deleted a file, you can always look back in. Oh yeah, right. If you pay, yeah, I think you have to pay for the something. Yeah. Fair enough. Mm. You, you've still covered the use case. You've you've mm. you've allowed allowed to be really easy to delete something. I mean, Dropbox doesn't go. Oh, this looks like a really important document. <laughs> Quick, you've got to write in the word "delete" in capital letters with an eight at the end, whilst on one leg, before I delete it for you. They let you delete it because that's actually what you want to do. And then, mm. in the situations where you actually panic and realize they shouldn't have deleted it, mm. then they've got a, a use case to allow you to come up. Because uh, you, yeah. then you're going to be impassioned, you're going to be actually motivated mm. to find out how to get it back. Mm. You're going to contact them, or you're going to dig deeper into the how-tos and say, oh, look, aha, I can get it actually back. Here's what I do. So you're catering for that, that, that sure. sort of edge case, mm. but allowing people mm. to just get on with deleting stuff when most of the time want to do it. I've been annoyed by MailChimp the couple of times when I've mm. had to use it that they've made it so much harder for me to delete when I actually am fully aware of what I'm doing and I want to just do it. I'm a, I've actually liked liked it when I first saw it in MailChimp, as uh, it, like I said. Oh, yeah. Because it made me think again. Yeah, but I don't delete. That's that's another thing. Yeah. In in Gmail, I delete all the time. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. In MailChimp, very, very seldom, mm. actually. And in our, in our uh, system, you'd be deleting maybe once a year. Yeah. Uh, because it's that big of a stuff. Mm. So... Writing that code to actually do what you're saying would be a lot more work than to implement this, uh, and and I love that we're disagreeing on this. I actually now that we're talking about it, I remember the first time I, re- I remember <laughs> actually writing an article about this when you I was comparing it to a regular trash can, yeah. and uh, you throw something in, and the trash can would ask, you, "Are you sure you want to do this before you can are actually allowed to toss it in?" Which of course is what you're saying is. You don't want to do that. You want to be able to toss it, and oh shit, I w- didn't want to toss yeah. that. I want to bring it back up. Perhaps, yeah. Mm. We we we've got to mm. remember the the, the context mm. that when you're pressing mm. that delete button, you actually just you often just want it out of mm. the way. So let them get it out of mm. the way, and then when it comes mm. to the point that you've realised you're in a you're in a situation mm. where God, I needed that, then we deal with that situation. Mm. Then I think this is I think it's there. This is looking this is a solution looking for a problem. Well, this is a mm. solution looking for a problem mm. in a sense that we don't need to get here. I have to say that the the data I'm working on now is uh, patient data, mm. journal, health journal information. Mm. It's very. There's a lot of legal stuff I'm going on here. I'm not saying there are not laws that might get in the way here. Um, for yeah, you know, but that would be um, interesting. I have to look that up actually, based yeah, on this. I mean, I, I was oh. while we're talking now, I'm thinking as well about the whole kind mm. of. Um, I, I want to quit mm. Facebook. Mm. Uh, you know, deleting your account on Facebook, yeah. and 
I don't know if they've changed this, but how it used to be is that when you deleted your account, mm. it didn't delete anything whatsoever. Next time, if you kind oh, of yeah. regretted and wanted to kind of get back into Facebook, yeah. when you joined back up again, mm. it all magically came back. Right. So they let you think it was deleting. Mm. Actually, they didn't delete anything. That's another way to do it. Again, it's an undo without yeah. without bothering you with the oh. details of undo at the time you're doing it. They're just letting you get on with closing yeah. your account. Exactly. And I think then to, to actually, I can't remember the details, but I think you can actually mm. put a request to properly mm. remove your mm. um, information. But to do that, you have to email them basically and, and do a formal request to get them to delete the information. Right. Um, and again, I think that's, you know, that's a sensible mm. use case there with the people who really are worried about their personal mm. integrity and their, da- their, mm. their data, then they are going to contact and take that extra step to effectively fill in the, the word delete in capitals. Absolutely. Because they've and got to do it via an email to Facebook. So if the information is, is mm. has to be so permanently removed mm. and it's so important that you know, definitely you can't get it back, then, mm. then I think maybe some kind of manual situation where you have to contact them round the side you know, as in you, you come in by another route, support yeah. route. That maybe is a much better solution than this. Mm. Undo. Undo f- mm. is the winner. I'm, I'm still going to argue that there are contexts when this is okay. And again, about the uh, the development costs. To implement something like this. How is it not? How is it? How does it cost more to just not delete something from a database? Just put a flag saying deleted. It doesn't cost anything. Uh, the developers I've talked to about this, they say that. So uh, obviously, I'm not in the know exactly what what's going on here. Maybe they're just fooling me. Uh, but in my mind, building the interface to bring something back also is a few more steps. Adding this window to to delete the delete interface and actually then to actually delete, deleting it hmm. uh, is a shorter, a quicker route. Hmm. Well, deleting probably is quicker database wise, yeah. but you, you I mean you, you don't have to. I mean. Div- <laughs> But it's so, more expensive to create an undo. I don't really... It shouldn't be, really. More time-consuming. has to be done at the end of the sprint, and that's the, maybe the next sprint will implement the undo function, but this will be enough for now, right. and then it gets stuck there, and you know... Yeah, yeah. But for me, that, for me, that actually does connect with the, what we were saying before, that... Uh, UX is always compromised based on money, technology, yeah, that's, or whatever. That's true. Who's I mean, I, I, yeah. I buy that. This, mm. this, uh, I say the legal mm. side or mm. even mm. existing uh, architecture, mm. um, there is a system in place at the moment which stops you doing a thing in a certain way. Yeah. I think I think probably the, we're right in that the undo, well, the undo or the delete is possibly one of those classic things that maybe you've got an integration to another system which doesn't support anything other than there is no hide. There is no leave it there. Oh, but yeah, we that's show another it. thing, yeah. So it might mm-hmm. be the case that you're forced to delete something in a, in a back-end system right, because you're to make e- it vanish from that view because you don't have full control all the way You're integrated out. with seven other systems. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so, yeah, I... I, I there, in but reality, I buy that there's going to be situations where this we can great. do it. This is great. I love this. But we should argue more often. <laughs> we should find more articles like this. Uh, but I would love to hear what people think about this as well. Uh, Delete our, or our listeners, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would too. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You have been wanting for us to disagree about this. Yes. This is one of them where <laughs> I, I do. I think it's just. I think we're missing the point with this. Uh. So I think we're about wrapping up. I think we are. Yeah. Um, there's one last thing. Do you remember what that is? Uh, our last thing. Yeah. Say thank you to Reverise for sponsoring today's show. Ah, nice. So you can it. check out their formalytics tool at um, revrise.com. Right. And also, of course, don't forget to visit uxpodcast.com. Yep. 
for the links, the resources mentioned in this episode. We'll think about, find Anthony's name and put that in the show notes. Uh, and uh, tell your friends and colleagues if you like the show. Tell us. <laughs> and you can find us pretty much everywhere as UX Podcast. Leave us voice voicemail. Nobody's done that yet. No, they haven't. I'm, I'm surprised, actually. Uh, I thought someone would have yeah. left some kind of... Do uh, it now. Okay, so the number is... Yep. Plus one for the States. 646-783-1050. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Remember to keep moving. See you on the other side. <laughs>